0: Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Calon FM. This week's shout-out goes to our friends at Businessline Wrexham. Businessline uh, lives in Wrexham Library and is a professional and free business information service provided by Wrexham County Borough Council. And is for anybody starting a business, already in business, or studying business, they have a wealth of resources that are available to you. And certainly worth looking at. Their website is on the website. Just look for Business Line. Hello,
1: and welcome to the business community on Calon FM with me, Tracy Jones, and me, Heather Noble. And this week, we're looking to put microchips in the staff. Well, that was Heather's idea of a topical discussion. <laughs> um, I don't think it's your actual idea to do it, Heather. No. But you, an article caught your eye this week, so do tell us uh, what it was that uh, led
0: you down this path. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I subscribed to fairly recently was um, daily uh, updates from LinkedIn. The sort of you know, news that's on, that's um, that's topical, uh, and something came through that was talking about microchipping staff and so I thought hang on a minute need to read a bit more about that and um, because on the face of it it sounds horrendous.
1: (laughs) Have you got your cats microchipped?
0: I haven't because they don't go out All but right. my
1: um, cats are microchipped it's it's great peace of mind I, and sometimes I wish I could actually follow them to see where they go but but that's purely because I'm being nosy.
0: Well I, yes and I think that that's the 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 risk um the CBI and the Trade Union Congre- Congress are up in arms about the idea of this. Essentially um uh, it In Sweden, there's a company called Biohacks, and in Sweden, um, over the last five years, they have microchipped over 4,000 people. Uh, Now, the idea is that you put um, a chip that is about the size of a grain of rice in that fleshy bit that is between your thumb and your uh, index finger.
1: Ooh, I feel all squeamish. Yes, Mm. you know, that sort
0: of gristly, funny weird bit so it goes in there and then you then use that to access doors so that there are security levels already
1: I can think I could get into the Callan FM studio when I forget my card you can microchip me
0: there we go there we go of course what you could use instead are some of the more traditional methods like uh, fingerprint entry uh retina entry uh, and even voice waves, even signature—you know those old-fashioned ways of. So, what is their thinking behind a microchip then, as opposed to the the fingerprint or the retinal scan? Because they believe that uh, it is it's harder to hack into this type of technology. Now, there, there's there's a, a guy who who mentioned that he has done this for his own home. That it allows him to access his front door he doesn't need to carry keys anymore but he has already admitted that um, the technology has moved on since he did this so he effectively need to have a little bit of surgery now we get into you know removing the bit and, bits, yeah, yeah so i'm not too keen on that uh, but but what they're suggesting is that this is the the biohacks um situation in sweden the, this is for documents that are massively sensitive so they're kept in a very very secure environment but of course the CBI and the TUC their concern is that as you've said you'd quite like to know where your cat is (laughs) um there's a fear that this would invade people's privacy yes yeah and that's that's the thing that's being called into question
1: well, I know that these um, this technology has been around for a little while. I saw an article from um, last year where a company in Wisconsin was getting their staff um, to to have uh, the, the chip implanted. Um, and obviously, you said you mentioned the company in Sweden. But I think the key thing that I picked up is it has to be voluntary. And only a small percentage of the staff are actually taking up the opportunity mm. to have an implant. And so I found some research that had been done by um, Talk Talk Businesses Workforces 2025 initiative. And they found that over two thirds of British working people would refuse to wear a microchipped A microchip if asked to by their employer interestingly though they did find that 5% of British workers would wear a microchip if they were paid more so oh so they will sell their soul down the river okay (laughs) they will so and I I think the biggest issue for me is I've been looking at um, regulation of data privacy and you know how's the legislation going to keep up with this you know GDPR Mm. was brought in in May this year and it was playing catch up anyway, with with all the amount and volume and use of data. You know, we've talked about big data on this show mm. several times. GDPR playing catch up with big data. How does it cope with microchipping your staff? What happens if they change their mind?
0: What you, What happens if they change their job?
1: Yeah.
0: So then you have they're loads of bits to rice in your yeah, hand. Before you, you know, before you know it. I mean, the thing that I think is really interesting is that. Uh, whilst i i think this is a crazy idea and you know i may i may regret the, the moment i said that when it, everybody is microchipped within an inch of their lives and it's just it, a matter of course it's just a matter of normality um but but what i what i did think about is that you know, so many of us have company mobile phones if we're employed so you can, you're traceable you then, can track yeah. a mobile phone
1: and we're not worried about wearing uh, the wearable technologies you know so the fitbits and the apple yeah, Watch, gps yeah you can be traced
0: with Anywhere, that anyway yeah.
1: so this is just about making that technology more permanent
0: and i don't think there's anything to actually suggest that the microchips are trackable because effectively they're a key they are gathering data though that's for yes certain. and
1: yeah as part of this whole culture of data is is everything, I think it's safe to say it's untested, it's uncharted territory, mm-hmm. and uh, it's also it's going to test the uh, the legal side of 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 all of this as well so I think it's one to keep an eye on I wouldn't be volunteering straight away purely because I'm squeamish
0: yeah I, I can't think of any that. anywhere worse to have it I mean why don't they put it in you know a fleshy bit of, oh you'd, like those <laughs> you'd have to <laughs> you'd have to wave your bottom I, at the door to get access this is radio and Heather's just pointed at a right buttock <laughs> If you weren't listening in last week, you won't be aware that we are very, very excited. Our big bit of news is that we have got our podcast available through the usual podcasting channels. So it's set up on iTunes, through RSS feed, however you normally listen to podcasts. So you just need to search for the business community and up we will pop. And so what we want you to do is to listen to the podcast subscribe to the podcast comment on the podcast and share the hell out of it to everybody (laughs) that you know because we want to spread the word far and wide so um so if if you're into podcasts then then go and subscribe alternatively you can just listen through our website which is the business.community News and events, like other people's news, which isn't as big as that. Uh, what have you got for us this week, Tracy?
1: Okay, so I couldn't do a section on the news without talking about the John Lewis ad. That's the news of the day, mm. the Christmas advert for John Lewis. Um, it's got Elton John in it and um, it's got a message. I was determined not to be emotionally affected by it. I (laughs) failed, (laughs) even when I came into the studio and said to Heather, have you seen this? And I showed it to you, I still cried in the same place. But I'm soft like that, aren't I? You are, you are. And the message from John Lewis this year is some gifts are more than just a gift. And we'll be talking a little bit more about choosing a gift in our review section of all things later on in the show. So that was good timing with the John Lewis ad, but there were a couple of other adverts that had really caught my eye before that this week. And I really wanted to give them a mention. I think the thing that I'm noticing just this week from the adverts is they're very, they're they're huge. They're they're like um, mini films. Cinematic is the word you used. Yes, Yes. sorry, I forgot, completely forgot that I used that word (laughs) earlier on. So this next ad I saw in the cinema. So we'd gone as a family to see Bohemian Rhapsody. Brilliant film, by the way. Um, and then this advert started, and I wasn't sure if it was an advert or if it was a trailer for a film. It was dark. It was um, infused with this organisation called Giant Corp. And it was, um, it was a dystopian future. So if you've ever seen Mr. Robot. It, it reminded me of Evil Corp in Mr. Robot, or if you've seen Black Mirror before, it's the, the not too distant, but still a little bit distant future, but still scarily close. And so there's this woman travelling through a town, she's on a place, uh, travelling to a place of work. All of these ads are popping up from Giant Corp, which is quite clearly if I'm wrong here, then shoot me down. But quite clearly, Amazon is being hinted at, not not too discreetly, not too subtly. Um, and so she's going to her little private bakery and there's all these letters from Giant Corp encouraging her to sell this little private bakery. And just as when it looks as if she might give in and sell to the bakery, a little girl pops into the shop and buys one of her cakes. So it, it's a... I didn't have a clue when I was watching it who it was by or for and it actually turns out it's by iZettle uh, one of the companies that disrupted the the market for um credit card uh, payments so um heather um And I, years ago, would never have been in the position to take credit card payments from our individual clients because it costs so much from um, banks to, to hire a machine and then all the fees and everything. And the likes of iZettle, other payment providers are available, disrupted the market completely and did it in such a way that iZettle actually then got bought by PayPal for £2.2 billion. So are they now becoming Giant corp I don't know. A little bit of a twist. But the idea here is to encourage people to shop local. And and I liked it. It's because it really did, the advent of these sort of card payment systems did... Um, democratize card payments you know so the little the local cafe could take card payments um, you know a- anybody who's in business could do it at a relatively cheap price and the strap line for this one is join the resistance shop local Um I would just refer you to the iZettle um, YouTube channel because they've got some really good adverts inclu- including the Giant Corp Rehab Centre <laughs> so, so it's quite amusing video there of of people being trained um to um lose their addiction to retail giants. And then the third ad, obviously you can't have missed, surely, the Iceland advert that isn't on TV. the Iceland have pulled a blinder here, whether they did it on purpose or not, they claim not. but an advert that they um are were involved with and have they've put their name to um is is the story of the rang tang. Um, it's a little girl saying orangutan um, and it's, a, it's about the no palm oil uh, campaign that uh, we've mentioned uh, a few weeks ago when we featured Malcolm Walker on the show. And it's a 90 second animation about the orangutan narrated by Emma Thompson and it's already been shared estimated 30 million times on social <laughs> media. And it's been viewed just on YouTube alone when we just looked by four and a half million people. So... It's better than being on TV. It's got the social media coverage globally that they couldn't have got from TV. Who watches TV adverts now anyway? So although they say it wasn't done on purpose, the reason behind it being banned, and I'll use inverted commas there, is that um, it was um, originally made by the campaigning group Greenpeace. Then um, they teamed up with Iceland to get more coverage for it. And it, it obviously worked with both of their agendas on the no palm oil campaign and then an organization called clearcast which isn't able to ban adverts however it does provide advice on adverts before TV companies broadcast them so and they advised against um it being broadcast because they thought that because it was linked with greenpeace they're a political organization and hence would break broadcasting laws personally I don't I don't see it's political it's fact you know the the deforestation that's been caused by palm oil is killing orangutans they are an endangered species not much to argue about there Um, but just so you've got the background is that Greenpeace originally made the advert it's a brilliant advert I love it yes I I like it more than the other two adverts Um, But I like all three adverts, actually.
0: And you also cried at it when you showed it to me. I did, yeah. I cried, yeah. So there you go. (laughs) I'm I'm (laughs) obviously a hard-nosed individual. (laughs) But do you know what? Yeah, I cried at Paddington the film so I think I've been to the cinema with you twice (laughs) and on both occasions you cried lights go up and Tracy's crying
1: Heather have you got some events for us I
0: have got some events yes Um, the first is thinking about the the small trader this is um, taking place it's a three day event from the 19th to the 21st of November so it's next week it's at the Etihad Stadium in Manchester it's a free three day business start up workshop Uh, which I remember when I first started my business, I did one of these, but it was organised by WIRE, Women in Rural Enterprise. Hugely valuable. Uh, share it's we'll share information it's, it's called kickoff in business I think that's the football connection uh, and it not looks a fight not a fight <laughs> no it's all <laughs> kicking off no not that not that um, money grants loans tax and expenses how to write a business plan how to sell uh, how to use social media getting networking how to set up your business uh, I just thought that looked like a really good one um, that's organized by uh, kickoffinbusiness.co.uk On the 6th of December, I might go to this because I love the sound of it. It's only £30. It's in Birmingham. It's a CIPD event, but it's a mock employment tribunal.
1: Oh, that sounds good.
0: Being conducted by Shoesmith's Law Firm. And what they're doing is that they're actually acting out a bit like Crown Court from the olden days. They're acting out uh, an employment tribunal around um, a sexual orientation discrimination case uh, because it will then show you uh, what to expect at an employment tribunal and how to prepare for one. Thought that looked like a really good one. 30 quid. It's 8.30 till 1 p.m. at Solihull College. Uh, Then... Closer to home, on the 13th of December, here uh, on the Glindor campus um, at, at Callon, uh, in the Catherine Finch Centre, 9am to 6pm, Emerging Technologies Festival. How emerging technology impacts on you, your business, your industry and your supply chain. Um, a range of organisers, including Airbus Endeavour Wales, uh, Innovate UK, Uh, and the Centre of Excellence in Mobile and Emerging Technologies. That's a free event, talks, discussions, demos, insights, exhibitors, etc. And finally, looking ahead into um, next year, this is the 7th of February, but I think it's something that's really worth thinking about, organised by a group called 1080 Cymru, uh, the we need to talk about annual appraisals the limitations and drawbacks of appraisals and why they don't work here again on the Glyndor campus um annual appraisals are a really important part of uh keeping your staff engaged but it's looking at how you 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 conduct them and make sure that they're done in a way that doesn't actually switch the workforce off because very often people are petrified of their appraisal and it has a negative impact
1: You're listening to The Business Community on FM, and this is the part of the show where we review often a book, sometimes an app, sometimes an event. And this week I'm holding a little black book in my hands. And it's a little black book that had been sat on my shelf for a good few years it's been a really, one of those useful little books that you dip into. And we've been doing lots of useful little book type reviews recently. Um, I I
0: think we must both have a thing for useful little books. Well, Christmas is coming. So I think we're (laughs) flagging up. If we haven't already got them, we want them.
1: Yes. Um, So if you're into a useful little book that you can dip into for some inspiration or ideas, then this one is, is a cracking little book because it's covers so many things it's called the decision book 50 models for strategic thinking and i'm not even going to attempt to pronounce the um, the author's names um but you you will find it under the decision book and we will also put a link for it on our website which is the Business Community. it's um a5 sort of size and it could easily fit in a little handbag or man bag and it has got what quite literally what it says, 50 different models for strategic thinking, decision-making models that can help you, whether you're a teacher or a pilot or a manager, how to make a right decision. That's what it says in the front of the book, anyway. Um, how can you motivate? How can you change things? How can you work more efficiently? What do my friends reveal about me? Oh, do I live in the here and now? And what do I want? And what you find in the book is a relatively short but easy-to-understand explanation, invariably a diagram. The, the authors are big fans of diagrams. And then right at the end, there is um, a section for you to have a go at um, drawing models yourself. Really, really like it. I've used it for a number of different things. So whether I've been consulting and, and having to do some exercises with a group of people and you're looking around for um sometimes and you know the model but you need somebody else's explanation of it to get a context other times i'm looking for inspiration and you know what am i going to I think about how am I going to work? How am I going to approach this particular problem? So models in there that you'll be quite familiar with, obviously, there's the SWOT analysis. If you haven't already done a SWOT analysis, where have you been? If you run a business, you need to be able to com- confidently do a SWOT analysis on your business if you can't google it or get a hold of a little book that explains how to do it one that i really love and have used lots of times is that it's described in this book as the bcg box um it's it was a model developed by the boston consulting group and it's a way of putting your product portfolio into different categories and so it's a way of visualizing your product portfolio and I think with a lot of these models, it's not giving you a right or wrong answer. It's a way of looking at something. It's a discussion point. It's a way of actually driving your thinking and perhaps giving you some more ideas for for developing that line of thought. One that I quite like personally as well is called the project portfolio matrix. And if I read out the, um, the first line, then you'll understand why it says, are you juggling several projects simultaneously? Ah, Yeah, that's me. Um, And apparently that makes me a slasher. And this term was coined by the New York author, Marcy Alboa, and describes a growing number of people who cannot give a single answer to the question, and what do you do for a living? So you can sort of see why that one appeals to me. Um, So what you get here is a description. A diagram and the opportunity to have a go yourself and try and use the model. What did you think, Heather? Do you use models? Was this book something that you thought you could use in your line of work or you would
0: recommend to other people in business? Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. There are, um, there are various models uh, that I use, have used. Uh, and the essence of the book is around how to improve yourself. How to understand yourself, how to understand others and how to improve others. So depending on where you are within a business or, or where you are within life, actually, uh, there are lots of different models. What it enables you to do, um, what all of these enable you to do is is to take yourself outside of your own head. And look at stuff because I don't know about I don't know what it's like inside your head, but it's fairly (laughs) manic inside mine. And sometimes you're so close to an issue or so close to a problem that you can't take a step back. Uh, And that's that's what this what this gives. Uh, It has I mean, some of the ones that I've used uh, are the Eisenhower matrix, how to work more efficiently. You know, it's the whole what's important, what's urgent, you know, and, and how do you then prioritize those. Um, there's the Jahari window, which is where you look at what other people think about you. So it's that is very much looking from the outside in. There's the prisoner's dilemma when you start to look at, um, you know, how, how people... Um, getting people, pushing people to a point where they have to make a decision and then seeing what that decision is. Uh, and then there's a bit of role-playing, which not everybody likes, but, you know, Belbin and De Bono have, have got um, a role-playing uh, matrix where you look at uh, how you do think outside a situation yeah, so
1: six thinking hats comes into that yes one exactly of my personal which is one yes
0: yeah but the one that i really liked um and it fits in a little bit with you know we were talking about the john lewis advert and the, and the um gift buying and, and gift buying it, we're dropping in a lot of hints about gift buying is the gift model which you know how
1: much to spend how on a mu- gift yes exactly
0: <laughs> how much to spend on a gift uh which i thought was excellent and it's not it's not a tricky one it's basically looking at cost and looking at value and deciding whether um an expensive watch is uh, a better gift than your grandfather's watch so if somebody gave you know if you gave your grandfather's watch to your brother and you know and it's all in nice working order um that's better than going out and spending thousands upon thousands of pounds on a Rolex because the value that the person who's receiving it will add to that is is priceless, so it's not rocket science but it but it is an interesting one because sometimes we all get a little bit hung up on how much we spend, and I don't know about you, but I'd much rather have my favorite bar of chocolate than a scarf that I 'm never going to wear, and oh. that literally is the message <laughs> of the
1: John Lewis ad there for you. <laughs>
0: Hint uh, to Stuart, if you're
1: listening, a yes. bar of chocolate, a bar yeah. of chocolate, or a scarf. I'm not going to wear. But there we go. The, what I liked as well is at the back. There's um, something called uh, a section called "Now It's Your Turn." But there's two drawing lessons in there. Mm. This is really good material. And and the first bit is why you should draw while you talk. And saying if you stand up in front of an audience and you just talk, do people make notes? Whereas if you stand up in front of an audience and you draw, no matter how roughly, something on the the screen, how many people make notes then? And it's so that they're encouraging you through the notes in the back of this book is is how to use visuals to actually get people to engage more. But then it goes further. Drawing lesson two uh, is called How to Make a Big Impression with Little Tricks. So you get over the idea of drawing, now they're just going to give you a few more hints on how to make that drawing really stickable with, yep. with your audience. So beautiful little book, highly recommended. It's called The Decision Book,
0: 50 Models for Strategic Thinking. We will put details of this on our website, thebusiness.community, and. If you decide to go and have a look and find out a bit more about that book, then we'd love you to click on the link that we're going to put in our blog post, because if you click on that link and you buy the book from Giant Corp, I have to admit, um, we get a few pence and that helps us to pay the bills to host the website uh, and to keep uh, SoundCloud working so that you can carry on listening to the podcast. We love to find gurus. We like to say the word guru as well. We like to say the word guru. We like to find people who have been remarkable in business who or who are remarkable in the world of business. And this week, uh, Tracy chose the lady that we're going to be talking about. And it's a rare treat to find, at the risk of sounding like, you know, some sort of radical feminist, um, whether I am or not is another matter, Um, women who have achieved great things in business. Because generally, when we look at the lists of gurus, we've said this in the past, they're full of men. But this lady is somebody that that came to your attention, Tracy. Uh, It's Indra Nui.
1: Yes. Is that how you say
0: it? As far as I can tell, um, I had to
1: watch a few videos to um, hear people introduce her but I believe it's Indra Nui Mm -hmm. and she came to my attention because she has only last month stepped down as the CEO of PepsiCo. PepsiCo's huge. Why had I never heard of her before? Presumably I wasn't looking at the right lists because she's been consistently on those lists of the 100 most powerful women or Forbes' list of um, most powerful women, the second most powerful woman according to Fortune. Uh, she, she's been there for 12 years as the CEO of PepsiCo and she's taken them through a radical change as well. She's actually helped them as they went through um, the um, austerity times, through, through the difficult times financially and then through um all of the backlash against um sugary um drinks and and snacks and she's stepping down with PepsiCo being really at the top of its game and I'd never heard of her and I feel a bit I feel a bit sad about that so I thought maybe um we need to be looking a bit harder for these people she You know, she doesn't make a big song and dance about it. She's not constantly in the press. But she is one heck of a a powerhouse of a businesswoman. And she was um, born in 1955 in India. And she um, is an Indian-American. She lives in America now. And she's just... This rise is not through luck or through who she knows. Her rise to her position at PepsiCo was through sheer hard work. She knew where she wanted to go and she went and she got it. And trying to understand her background, she was brought up in a traditional Indian family. Her family were really supportive of their children. And the grandparents were involved in encouraging the the grandchildren as well to achieve their best. And so she went on. She studied, and then she went to study in America. She worked harder and harder to get where she needed to be. She she worked for the Boston Consulting Group, which we mentioned before, with the uh, with the Boston Consulting Matrix. She says that she worked there for ten years, and she oh, sorry for six years, and she got ten years worth of experience, and. Uh, Um, She's quoted in in one of the uh, videos that I watched as as saying that she wasn't going to get there by being the best dressed in the room. So she worked on her brain. (laughs) And so she made sure that she did the best job that she could possibly do, that she was always the person people asked for to work on a project. And she consistently overperformed and she, she put a lot of attention into the detail but she seems to be a great leader as well now I know you've done a bit of research into her leadership
0: style heather what did you find out there yeah i'm always intrigued when somebody if somebody takes a business from 2.7 billion turnover dollars this is to 6.5 in 14 years then they've got to be <laughs> they've got to be doing something with the people within that organization because just radicalizing and revolutionizing the the product range and the way that the products are sold, that's, you know, you can't do that on your own. And so she has what she calls the five C's of management. Her management style has competence, courage, communication, consistency, and your personal compass. And uh, so what she says for, for competence, she advocates that you should be a lifelong learner, that you should be constantly looking to develop your own skill set to make sure that you are um, not you know, getting left behind. So always be looking to learn. To so have the courage to speak out for what you think, what you know, what you believe. Because if you don't do that, then you're not going to, um, you know, suggest the next big thing. So allowing people to feel brave enough to speak out. Uh, communication skills. This is the thing that, you know, this is my thing. She says to over invest in your written communication and don't underestimate how much influence any communication has within an organisation internally and externally. Uh, Consistency, she says to be steady and reliable at all times. And when you think about managers that we've had, you know, the worst managers are the ones where you just don't know where you stand. The ones who get a bit flaky under pressure, you need to be steady and reliable. You need to steer the ship uh, and, and, and manage people in a consistent way. And finally, and very importantly, your personal compass, your integrity has to be at the heart of everything that you do, every decision that you make. Because if you have that, if you stick to your personal compass, then nobody can challenge you on having done the right thing, because that's genuinely what you believed was the right thing at that time. Uh, And I just thought that was really simple, but sound and solid advice, which clearly works because... You know, she's done some amazing work.
1: Now, I watched a number of videos on, on YouTube. and One of the longest ones, and I, I, it, to be fair, I did think at the start, I'm really going to watch an hour's worth of this. I did enjoy it. It was a Forbes Women interview um, with Indra Nui and Priyanka Chopra. Now, I'd never heard of Priyanka before. She's an actress and a producer and an activist. And they were both being interviewed ab- about breaking barriers uh, and engaging um, people. And one of the things I liked most about it was right at the end. It was it was good profile, good questions for both of them to answer. But at the end, Priyanka um, did sort of reflected on what Indra meant to her, and Indra reflected on what Priyanka meant to her. And what I think what Priyanka said about Indra actually sums up a lot of the stuff that we'd read I thought it was quite neatly summarized Uh, Priyanka said that uh, Indra is a proud woman who's an achiever but that doesn't define her when she walks into a room unlike some male CEOs who use cologne hair gel and their suits as a sign of their importance she stands for integrity she stands for being self-assured she has grace and charm and humor and she's completely wholesome and Priyanka said that that's what she would aspire to as well so that that was really lovely there's a couple of other really nice videos if you want to see them uh, she's interviewed by fortune magazine where she talks about how she led pepsico through the disruptive phase and then there's a nice profile just an interview um sorry article by natalie sherman from new york on the bbc business website and uh, she she pulls a lot of different interviews together to present a nice profile of her But I I also had a look at her Twitter feed as well. And I think somebody's Twitter bio often sums up what they're about. And so Indra describes herself on Twitter as a strong believer in the power of corporations to do well by doing
0: good. Proud mother of two. Uh, uh, What I would add is that um, she... This lady is now uh, the International Cricket Council director from June, so after standing down from PepsiCo, (laughs) and she... She, in India, when she was a young girl, she played cricket and she was in an all-girl rock band. So she's not just a spod. You know, she she didn't just sit and study. Um, she's a well-rounded individual. Uh, I've got a leadership quote that it's not rocket science, um, but she says leadership is hard to define. And it really is. And good leadership, even harder. But essentially, if you can get people to follow you to the end of the earth, you are a great leader and I think sometimes you have to remember, if you can get people to follow you, that, that's an indication that you have achieved great leadership. What did you get, Tracy? I know you've got an exciting one. OK, this, this
1: one speaks directly to me. So um, this quote is, is taken from a message that she wrote on all the social media platforms directed at her PepsiCo colleagues on the 2nd of October when she stepped down as CEO of PepsiCo. She included a number of different pieces of advice, but this one is... Be lifelong students. Our world is changing rapidly all around us. And if you want to continue to thrive in the years ahead, you'll need to continually educate yourself.
0: That's about all we've got time for. Do join us uh, next time on the business.community And remember that if you are listening to the podcasted version, then we would love your feedback. We'd love your comments on what you think. And then let everybody else know um, where they can find us.
1: You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. Join us again next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.